This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Today, the fight to prevent insurance companies from using people's credit scores in determining insurance rates. Senate Bill 5010, which would end the practice, was proposed by Governor Inslee and State Insurance Commissioner Mike Kreidler, and it was introduced by 47th LD Senator Mona Doss. The bill has made it out of the Senate Business Committee, but not without significant amendments that alter the spirit and the letter of the legislation. We talked today with three guests who are on the forefront of the fight to save the original bill and stop this discrimination discriminatory practice. That's ahead. Here in Washington State, it may come as a surprise to some people that insurers are currently allowed to use people's credit scores as a way to determine how much they pay for insurance. This year, a bill proposed by Insurance Commissioner Mike Kreidler, Governor Jay Inslee, and prime sponsored by Senator Mona Doss would prevent this practice. The bill has been passed out of committee, but has been significantly amended and stripped of many of its provisions by 5th LD Senator Mark Mullet, who is chair of the Senate Committee on Business, Financial Services, and Trade. To talk about what all of this means, we have Senator Mona Doss, Insurance Commissioner Mike Kreidler, and Senior Policy Advisor for Governor Jay Inslee, Rochelle Davis. And hello to you all. Uh, Commissioner Kreidler, I'd like to start with you. I know you've been wanting to ban this practice pretty much since you took office in 2000. In what ways do you see this as harmful for people's credit scores to be used in determining their insurance rates? Uh, first, uh, uh, Stephen, thank you for the invitation to, to, to join you in this discussion. Yeah. Uh, the, the second would be uh, when, when I came into office 20 years ago and was elected in the year 2000, uh, the, the, the use of credit scoring was just being introduced uh, at that point. It, it was not a common practice uh, from the standpoint of the insurance industry up until the time I was elected. Previously, they'd relied on people's driving records and other factors for underwriting as opposed to looking at somebody's credit. And it's not used to make sure that they actually pay their premiums, which would be the natural conclusion I think people would come to. Uh, but, you know, they pay that six months uh, or a year at a time, whether it's homeowners or, or car insurance. And, and so it's not, that's not the issue. The, the, the company can always require you to pay uh, on a monthly basis if they have any question about whether you're going to be able to pay or not. Um, the, the issue is they'd look at it and make a judgment call based on looking at your credit, whether you're a credible individual who uh, or not, uh, they'll come to that conclusion. So if your, your credit score is low, they're going to say you're more likely to file a claim on your insurance policy. Therefore, we're going to charge you more. So even though you might be the most reliable, steady person in the whole world who takes good care of their car and takes good care of their home. Uh, you're going to be told for your car insurance and for your homeowner's insurance, you're going to have to pay more because you're in a category where it's more predictable that you might file a claim, not make payments, file a claim against your insurance policy. And that's just inherently wrong because it's a judgment call about individuals as to whether they're credible people or not. And that, and that uh, is an unfair judgment. There's other ways of being able to, to do underwriting like they were doing before I came into office. 
Well, you know, so as I said in my intro, uh, we know that this practice, when it plays out, uh, can impact lower income people and people of color. I'm wondering if you can share some of those numbers with us. How much more do lower income people and people of color pay when insurance companies use their credit scores to set rates? Well, now you you have to bear in mind that the insurance companies uh, use a, a wide variety here. They might use credit for 40% of their underwriting or 60 to 70% of their underwriting up for another company. Okay, so, so it's a, the, yeah, so they're proportions. You can't as to how much weight they're putting on credit as to how much they're going to do it. But for absolute dollars, which you're looking at, I mean, we're literally talking for somebody uh, with with a basic uh, uh, car insurance policy that you could spend hundreds of dollars more that somebody with a good credit score with everything else, every other factor that you have, your driving record, everything else, they but they have a good credit score, uh, but they're, they're going to wind up paying hundreds of dollars less per individual. A report from the Consumer Federation of America, as my understanding, showed that safe drivers with poor credit pay 79% more on average than a driver with excellent credit. And this is for liability car insurance only. Um, Senator Doss, bring you into this conversation because you prime sponsored this bill uh, to stop this practice. This is Senate Bill 5010. Tell us about why you did this. Well, and thanks again for having me, too. It's such a great conversation to have and an important one. I think um, I've been in the mortgage industry for the last 16 years, and I think most people have no idea that their credit score is being used not only to determine their rates uh, and how much they pay for insurance monthly, but whether or not they will get insurance. And as our state is slowly recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, I know it, it did such a huge financial damage to many individuals and businesses across Washington. And we are going to see credit scores go down as folks struggle to pay their bills and manage their credit. And then their insurance rates are going to go up. And so uh, when I first talked to the commissioner's office about this bill, I understood it immediately because credit scores is something I know about intimately, having been in the business for, you know, 16 years. So I really sponsored this bill um, because I think it is an unfair practice. Um, I I know in my own um, mortgage business, you know, I I pull credit, you know, often and frequent. And what I see is um, homeowners have credit scores that are higher. The folks that have um, don't have as much credit card debt have higher credit scores. And those folks are generally... Um, communities of color definitely have lower credit scores. And so I wanted to uh, ban this practice. I'm excited about this bill. And um, it was really why I wanted to do it, because I, I know intimately how credit score really does affect everything, especially interest rates. Um, and not only that, but your mortgage interest rates, too. So, um yeah, something I know a lot about. And you mentioned how that how the the pandemic has really played into this. And I want to circle back on that in just a moment. But talk about what happened to your bill in the Senate Business Committee. What happened there? How was it amended? How did this process happen? Well, there was an amendment uh, put on the bill um, in for it to leave committee, and and what that does is it allowed the it it um, the insurance companies cannot pull new credit to determine rates. So if somebody's rates, um, I think they recast them every six months to a year, 
um, they it will freeze their credit score for three years. So folks who have experienced uh, credit score increase or decrease, I should say, uh, because of the pandemic, if they weren't able to pay their credit card bills or you know went into forbearance or whatever on their mortgage, um, their credit score, their interest, their insurance rates would be frozen for three years. They wouldn't be able to raise their rates. However, for anyone getting new credit, or let's say you're dropped from your credit and you have to go out and find new credit, or you buy a new house or get a new car or whatever, um, they are then still able to use whatever is your current interest current credit score rating because there's no other way for them to know what your credit score was pre-pandemic. So if you could just encapsulate this for us, what specifically does the bill mandate now in its current form? In its current form, it freezes credit scores for three years. Insurance companies cannot have to use the lower, the higher credit score. So if they get a new credit score and your score goes down, they have to use the previous one. If your score goes up, you do get to have a better uh, insurance rate. Understood. Uh, Commissioner Kreidler, what do we know about the insurance lobby's role in crafting this amendment? Well, they... They uh, paid a, apparently played a very significant role in uh, in uh, working on amendments uh, be, because we have a, an email from uh, uh, committee staff uh, suggesting that if we had further questions uh, to go to talk to a to a, an insurance uh, lo- uh, lobbyist's attorney. It is my understanding that when the pandemic broke out that you spoke with insurance industry CEOs and specifically asked them not to do things that would harm marginalized communities. I'm wondering, have you spoken to any of those representatives since this bill has been been amended? It was an open invitation, and I'd hoped that I would be hearing from them. And it was even implied that uh, they would uh, there would be, so to speak, an extension on their part to, to have communication. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, they, to a, to a company CEO, they spoke very broadly about the, the necessity for addressing this issue of equity, uh, and then asking them very specifically about it, particularly uh, at a time like this with a, a pandemic. Um, how how were they going to respond to it? This this is of course this is not a problem that was created by the pandemic. It was a problem before. It'll be a problem after, but it's also a problem heightened because of the, of the pandemic. Yeah. I have yet to hear back from them. Uh, my, my personal experience has been with the insurance industry. They tend to, to operate a lot like sheep. Uh, for the, the sheep all go over to one corner, everybody else goes over to that corner. If they go to another corner, then they're all going to go to another corner. They tend to be uh, uh, very much driven that way. So they've taken the approach of, well, if my competitors can use this tool, uh, we're going to continue to use it uh, unless uh, you take it away from us. You know, we, we took away some of the tools that the insurance company used historically. We called it redlining and we banned it uh, and they readily adhere to it. They'll readily adhere to banning the use of credit scoring and probably wrap themselves around it and say, we were always questioning whether this was the right thing to do. We're glad that it is banned now. Because it's, it's pretty much what they say about historic redlining, which was very clearly racist. 
Yeah. Setting aside the fact that I am uh, moved to ask you about your role as shepherd in all of this, I will refrain from doing so. But yeah, you lay out a a compelling argument there. And uh, Rochelle Davis, I'd love to bring you into the conversation here and just ask you generally, what has the governor's reaction been to all of this? Yes. So the governor has been very clear that he wants the bill reverted back to its original form. Last week, the governor was part of a press conference. Uh, He held his weekly press conference and he told members, legislators, that he would like to have the bill reverted back to its original form. Uh, That was the bill that he co-requested with Commissioner Kreidler. And there's overwhelming Democratic support for this bill. There were 21 sponsors on this bill, and there really is not a policy reason for not moving the original bill. You know, this is circling back to something that Senator Doss said. A lot of people have been struggling financially so much during the pandemic, and one would imagine that there are things that are happening that are often beyond their control that are hurting their their credit scores. And I'm wondering how might that factor into how this amendment to this bill would impact those people? Yes, you're absolutely right. People are struggling, and we hear every day from Washingtonians about how the pandemic has impacted them. Unfortunately, this bill isn't going to solve those issues um, related to the uh, pandemic. We we also just don't believe that this is a permanent solution. It's just a stopgap because it only prohibits the use of credit scores over the next three years for existing customers, existing customers. So if you go to a new insurance company, that new insurance company can use your credit score uh, as a factor for determining your rate. Understood. I'll ask you about a couple of the arguments that we have heard for the amendment. One is a concern that uh, using individuals driving record for insurance rates is more discriminatory because black, brown and indigenous people tend to get pulled over at a more disproportionate rate. What's your response to that? Yes, I am acutely aware of driving while black as a black woman. I know that and I know that there's uh, ample data to support this. We're not disputing uh, the fact that there is disproportionality in the criminal justice system and in traffic stops. We're not disputing that. The governor recognizes it and he's leading on criminal justice reform. But we don't believe this is an either or situation. We believe that both situations need to be fixed. We believe we need to end the disproportionality in the uh, criminal justice system and in traffic stops. But we also believe that we need to end the use of uh, credit scores while determining an individual's rate. Yeah, so it's not an either or, it's the both. Uh, and then Senator Mullet was quoted in a piece for Cairo saying basically that senior citizens on fixed incomes have a long history of paying their bills on time, so their credit score is high and they would be hit negatively if the original bill were to pass. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I actually disagree. Unfortunately... Um, We don't know how insurance companies actually set the rates. Um, That is all secret. So no one knows the answer to this. We simply don't have the information and I don't want to speculate on how insurance companies will respond. But I strongly believe there's no basis for why insurance companies should increase the rates on existing customers. I would also just point out that uh, I have viewed a memo from the state director of the AARP urging Senator Mullet to pass the original bill. Uh, Senator Doss, you, of course, would like to see your original bill pass um, without the amendment. And I'll just ask you, and this is a technicality, but for those who may not be familiar, is it possible for a bill to be restored to its original version once it has passed out of committee with amendments? Yes, from what I understand, that is absolutely accurate, um, that the bill can be restored. Uh, We just don't have to accept the amendment um, on the floor when it runs. Any indication when this bill might get a floor debate? 
Well, uh, we have until next Monday uh, to make sure that it gets across um, out of the Senate. Uh, and I do, you know, want to highlight that we've received letters not only from AARP, but also from the Black Lives Matter Alliance. Uh, we've also received letters from the Build Back Black Better, I think, uh, Alliance. Um, and so we, we're, we're hearing loud and clear from communities of color, uh, from the AARP, uh, that they want to see the bill in its original form. Commissioner Kreidler, if this bill remains in its amended form, would you still want to see it passed? No, there's no reason to, to have it passed at this time. It it does uh, so it does does nothing to address the underlying grievances here of the inappropriate use of of credit scoring, making generalized statements about individuals and saying just because. Uh, you're low. You're, you have a low credit score. Uh, that somehow you you are less a credible person. Therefore, you have to pay hundreds of dollars more than somebody else. There, there's there's no justification for that, and this this amendment effectively perpetuates that. Uh, only individuals who have been fortunate enough that they they don't fall in at the right point in time are going are going to be fortunate enough to even take advantage of this of this particular provision most people wouldn't because most, uh, most the average insurance company won't even underwrite for with credit uh, for every three years so if you wound up having a, a policy renew uh, and and then you came back and you look for a freeze they're not you, you, by the time this bill goes into effect or with this amendment, we're talking about later this year, uh, how long has the pandemic been going? How much ravaging has it done to your credit? Yet you may be based, still have an insurance score based on that. Nothing, if you freeze it, it's not going to do you any good because you've already been harmed by lower credit. So, no, uh, this this is one that... that uh, uh, doesn't deserve to, to be respected as somehow trying to help during a pandemic. It uh, is nominal at best uh, and actually may be harmful at worst. And so from that standpoint, no, it's better to ha not have it pass at this point. Understood. And uh, Rochelle Davis, I'll just ask you, what is the governor's feeling on same on, on passing the amended bill? No, the governor has been clear. He wants and prefers the original version. Um, the governor doesn't um, make any sort of commitments or threats that he'll veto a bill, but he has been talking with leadership and made it clear that the original bill is what he requested and that's what he'd like to see come to his desk. Well, Commissioner, I, I will put this to you as our final question because we have a number of people watching and listening ready to take to the phones and email. Um, if you see the possibility of restoring this bill to its original form, would you have a call to action to those people? For example, people in Senator Mullet's district, what would you like them to do? Well, regardless of which district they're in, uh, I'd, I'd certainly encourage them to reach out to their, to their state senator uh, and let them know that this is an important piece of legislation. I can't say enough about the good work that Senator Doss has done uh, in leadership and getting this bill to where it's at right now. So we have, we're having this discussion at this point. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see it uh, get across the, the goal line with uh, a success. Uh, and that is a possibility still, depending on if and when it comes before a vote on the floor. So I'm urging people to say, tell their senators to 
approve the bill as submitted, which means uh, Senate Bill 5010 uh, without amendment, uh, without the committee amendment specifically, uh, have that not apply, and therefore uh, that that would take us back to the original bill. So urge their senators around the state reach out to the uh, reach out to the people around the state to notify their senators to tell them that they need to keep the bill in its original form. And that's what I'd certainly see is the by far the most profound. And 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 and, and I certainly appreciate the the, the input and background with the, and support that uh, the governor's office has lent to this effort. They've done a, an incredible job too. Yeah, likewise, and I will just say you have uh, done that. You have reached out uh, through your words here to people across the state uh, to take the phone. So again, the call to action uh, is to to call your senator and ask them to push for the bill in its original form. Senator Mona Doss, Rochelle Davis, and Commissioner Mike Kreidler, it's been a pleasure. Thank you all so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Bye now. And that is it for today. Special thanks to Steve Valandra and Chio Saturn. The website for this show is indivisiblepodcast.org and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.